just a heads up, this episode was recorded before the coronavirus, so you will not hear any mention of it. Thanks so much for tuning in for today's show. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different today. I have Sarah Enesori next to me. She is a life coach, an amazing one. If you don't know her, um, I did a podcast with her episode one. If you haven't seen that, definitely check it out because she's amazing. And she had a really great idea that because this show is all about being vulnerable and showcasing women, um, doing awesome, amazing things through the lens of vulnerability, why not have her interview me so I can tell a little bit about my story. So that's what we're going to do. So I'm not going to be leading this podcast slash video. Um, Sarah is going to do it on my behalf. So we'll see Wish how this goes. <laughs> channel Oprah Winfrey. Yes. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for being up for it. We were having a conversation and I thought, well, if you created a podcast about the idea that there is strength and vulnerability, mm-hmm. there must be a lot behind the process <laughs> yeah. to get you to the point of having these conversations with all types of women. So mm-hmm. I mean, my biggest question for you, and I'm sure everyone who's been watching all the podcasts, is how did you come to understand that there was strength in vulnerability? Tell us a little bit about your journey into that. Yeah, that um, that's a big question, a really good one. Um, how did I get to this point? I So I've shared this previously that um, I, and I, I think everyone should have a therapist. I especially I live in Los Angeles, but really anyone that you can talk to that's trained and certified to provide insightful, helpful um, feedback with anything you're going through. And so I was seeing my therapist on a regular basis. I was going through um, kind of a, a tough time um, at work. I you know, work life, there's stress, there's um, deadlines, there's lack of sleep. And so again, I decided for my own mental health to seek out counseling. And through this counseling, uh, there was a lot going on um, at work where I'm just going to be totally blunt. There was a lot of bullshit going on. There was a lot of um, like sexual harassment was happening. There was a lot of belittlement. There was a lot of people throwing each other in the bus, and it was just not a positive, productive work culture. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself really advocating and standing up for women specifically around me because nobody else was, and women in the industry I work in are the minority, Um, and that's advertising in general. It's primarily male-dominated, not all the time, obviously, but at least in my experience it has been. And so I was talking to my therapist about some of the situations I was going through and I was telling her how angry I was that these women were being treated this way. And she looked at me and she said, you are being such a great advocate for others. Why aren't you advocating for yourself? And I I froze and I was like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm here to help others. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. I see injustices happening and that's not okay. And she's like, no, I get that. That's great. You know, that's really good. You should be standing up for others. But 
you also don't deserve to be treated this way. You also don't have to put up with this. Your, your voice is strong and you should use it. And that was so intense for me because it was like one of those like aha moments, right? Yeah. Where I'm like, what? what? <laughs> why haven't I thought of this, first of all? Like, why am I now, you know, older that all oh, this is like a new idea to me? Um, so anyway, my therapist recommended the works of Brene Brown mm -hmm. and she focuses on vulnerability. And so that was my therapist's recommendation. She said, you, in order for you to fight for yourself and be an advocate for yourself, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. And until you do that, nothing's going to change. And I said, okay, like vulnerability is really hard for me. Yeah. Like but I'm very accomplished. Like I have a good mm -hmm. job. I've traveled the world, um, you know, from an outside perspective, like I'm a strong, independent woman. What is this vulnerability? Um, and so the first book, and it was an audiobook I listened to from Brene Brown, and it's awesome. I'm not getting endorsed for this at all, by the way. I just love her work. It's The Power of Vulnerability. And her audibles, her actually speaking at a conference. So it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I highly recommend it. But within the first, like, three minutes of the audiobook, um, she says that we live in a, a culture of scarcity. And that, um, and that means there's always uh, this feeling of a lack of and this notion that I'm not enough in X area. So I... I'm not thin enough to do this, but when I'm thin enough, then I can do it. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not smart enough to do this, but when I get smarter, I can do it. I'm not rich enough to do this. Like, so with that thought mentality comes um, worthlessness, yeah. that feeling of worthlessness, like I'm just not worthy of it because I don't have enough of whatever in me to do something. And so I... I heard that and I started crying because I, it was so clear, it, it spoke to me and it was so clear to me that I had been doing that. Yeah. That's what I had been doing is I'm not, you know, I'm not at my goal weight. So why I can't speak up for myself yet because no one's going to listen to me. I'm not, you know, smart enough in this arena. So I can't talk about this yet because I don't know literally everything about it. I'm still researching it. So, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I listened to the rest of, um, that audiobook and then I re-listened to it and I listened to it again and again and again, because there's so much insight into it. And she really hones in on, I mean, the book is called the power of vulnerability and she really hones in on how, really to be live a full life and to advocate for others you have to be able to advocate for yourself and in order to do that you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable and tap into whatever it is um, that shame is happening so you can get rid of it and you can talk about it and then you can move past it and it won't hold you back anymore so I just thought that was such a profound and moving thing for me someone who I, I always thought I was badass and I, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm doing my thing and I'm constantly challenging myself, but I never thought about challenging myself in that way. And so 
after that, I started to really notice other women around me who were doing things that were challenging themselves in that way, but didn't give themselves the credit that they should have because I know in my journey, it's so fucking hard. It's so hard to be vulnerable for, for me. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine it just comes naturally and easily to, to anyone to just wake up and be like, I'm amazing. There's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> We've got this all under control. All good here. Fake Every, smile. Yeah. <laughs> right? Everything's perfect. I have no more room to grow. because, But that's not the case. So, so yeah. So that, um, in a nutshell, really started my whole thought process um in tapping into that wow yeah (laughs) and now we know why the podcast exists I mean I think it's so interesting right we it's an interesting thing because you know the way that you've started this journey is I'm going to interview all the women who I believe have done amazing things and Mm -hmm. I think it's so wonderful that you're front and center right now Mm -hmm. um because we all want to know and a lot of times I feel like we almost like push another woman, not even ahead of ourselves, but a little into the spotlight because it is intense to put ourselves out there and to share our story. But yours is an incredibly powerful one and there are a million points that we could dig into. I think one of the, the interesting thoughts that was coming to me, and I'd love to hear your perspective, is I think a lot of women have been trained into showing up with a lot of masculine energy Mm -hmm. especially in the workplace even in the educational system and so when we think about leading Mm -hmm. right and creating Mm -hmm. we think about actually guarding the parts of ourselves that are imperfect Mm -hmm. but if I think about what builds trust which is ultimately the foundation of any relationship personal or professional Mm -hmm. it is the willingness to be seen and to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. um how do you think we can untrain ourselves Mm -hmm. into a better, more holistic way to show up, Mm -hmm. especially in the professional setting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's tough, um, depending on what work environment you're in and whether or not it would seemingly be supportive of that or conducive to that. So in my experience, I work in an industry that, isn't necessarily that way. Um, in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's, um, you know, if anything happens, just get over it, move on. We have a deadline, Mm -hmm. you know, we just move past it. But I have found naturally, and and this isn't even something I even realized until I, I looked back on all my years, um, doing advertising and marketing type of work, I would create relationships with people where I would talk about personal things and Mm -hmm. I would open up about things. Um, For instance, like I have anxiety and so I would would talk about this and I found that just by me opening up about something like that, it would be reciprocated in that they'd say, oh my gosh, me too. Or, oh my gosh, I had no idea. You seem like you're totally fine. And the response is, well, nobody's totally fine. We're just all good at masking it. So then it just creates this level of you know not everyone's perfect even though you might assume they are or not everyone has things a hundred percent figured out because they might just be acting like they do so 
in terms of changing the dialogue and the work culture so that we can be more present and vulnerable, I would argue it starts with the culture of the company. Mm-hmm. And to do that, it starts with somebody who kind of initiates that, right? Who comes into a meeting and if everyone's nasty and mean and yelling at each other, which I have absolutely been part of that, to make a joke of it and just laugh about it and be like, hey guys, like we're here just to do a job. It's all good. Like everybody, like we're all good here. Everything's fine. But just break the ice slowly and start to to let who you are come out as opposed to just coming up and saying, I'm going to be mean and angry as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say it's unfortunate because I've worked in environments where I naturally am pretty easygoing. I mean, I'm from a beach town. <laughs> like, And so when I worked in New York, I got hired for my personality. That's, that's a yeah. huge, that and my intellect and my skill set. But a lot of it is personality for what I do. Uh, and I found some people really gravitated towards me, but others, and I, I would argue that it was others who potentially didn't have that level of um, self-confidence within them to showcase who they really are because they had to put up that mask and that wall, mm-hmm. were the ones that would attack me and say, why are you so easygoing? Why are you so, like, are you high? Do you smoke weed all the time? <laughs> I was asked these wow. things. I'm like, no, actually, I, I don't at all. I don't judge anyone who does. I I personally can't do that and function and go to work. But, you know, I think just as long as you show up true to who you are, people will, who are like-minded will gravitate towards you. And the more people who show up as who they are, the more you're breaking down those walls and the more you're uh, not, uh, what is it, denormalizing, taking away from that, normalization of you got to be hard and you got to be tough and you have to be masculine as a female and you can't showcase any emotion heaven forbid you cry because I'll tell you I've I've seen women cry at work and I think I think even more highly of them when they do yeah and I don't see that as a weakness I see that as a release that they needed but I will admit I had a rule and especially in New York do not cry at the office. And so there were times when I had women and it was so, it was so awful. It was always women. I was like, let's uplift each other. We're the minorities (laughs) here. Like, let's be kind to each other. But you know, I would have women go out of their way because again, I'm, I'm doing something outside of the norm. I'm Mm -hmm. showing up as who I am and cracking jokes. I'm easygoing. You know, I'm speaking my truth. I'm trying to create a positive, supportive environment and I'm not knocking anyone down and I'm not playing that game and so those that don't like it unfortunately sometimes come after you and when I say come after you I mean make fun of me did everything name it they made fun of me for it um invite I'm not sitting at a table they invited all the girls in the table one by one to lunch and just skipped over me yeah, and I'm not in high school. Like, this is a work environment, and it's just out going out of your way to make me feel less than. But I'm not going to let you do that because I know who I am, and that's why I'm here. I got hired for a reason. And so, yeah, there were moments where I held it. I walked outside the building, went for a walk, and just let it all out. I just cried it all out. Yeah. But in all honesty, looking back, I've had 
bosses of mine, females, at work cry. And I give them so much more props for just being there and being present and letting themselves feel what they're feeling because they got all of the support in that moment that they needed. Whereas for me, I needed a lot of therapy to help me after and a lot of support from my friends because I'm like, this is the hardest. It's so hard to just be on your own. So I would, I would say if you're vulnerable at work, be vulnerable. You will have a support system. There will be others. There will be others who are like-minded because in general, I, I think everyone's inherently a good person. I think that anyone who's a bully or anyone who's shaming others or judging others, that comes out of their own insecurities and their own shame that they don't want to deal with. So they're projecting it out. And so they just need healing. Really, they just need healing and they just need to know that they're perfectly fine for who they truly are and they don't need to have this wall up anymore. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, I think about it as, you know, emotions in the workplace. For women, sometimes the tears come and it's a stress relief. I think for men, it shows up as anger a lot. And we've almost said, like, don't be emotional at work, but we're just going to have an baseline energetic of, like, anger that's socially acceptable here. Yeah, yeah. Um. I find that really interesting. I think the, I love the idea of like allowing what's happening. Um, there's so much stress that kind of gets built up in us and it's sort of like we're this pressure cooker, right? And you need to like slowly find these moments to release and mm-hmm. that can look like stepping into your office with a mentor and, and letting it go. It can look like a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should have a therapist slash coach in every office with an open door. I agree. For moments like that. I totally agree. Because I do think, you know, there's this fine line in the workplace of what's appropriate there and what's not Mm -hmm. and in which moments. And that's Mm -hmm. hard to navigate. And I think we're all figuring that out together right now because some of us have just decided I'm not crying in the bathroom anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) We're done with that. Yeah. I've done that. Uh, I've had countless women when I worked in marketing come into my office, close the door and just a stream of tears. And it often does. It comes from frustration of not feeling good enough, not Mm -hmm. being, you know, welcomed into situations, Mm -hmm. um, feeling like managers are being passive aggressive in how they're delivering feedback Mm -hmm. and not knowing where you stand, where you stand. I think there's, Mm -hmm. there's so much there. My, I guess my question for you next is, if we go back to the beginning of our conversation, you shared that there was a, a, a particularly hard moment for you mm-hmm. um, where you did hire a therapist and she asked you mm-hmm. to show up with vulnerability. Yeah. What did that like? What did that first step into vulnerability there feel like, mm-hmm. or what did you do? Yeah, I. Yeah, she. The first thing was listening to Brene Brown, just so I could even understand what she meant by step into vulnerability, because I really didn't understand it. Yeah. Um, and then I, I looked inward and I thought, what is something that I've always wanted to do that I didn't because I had a million excuses not to do yeah. it, and that was improv. I always wanted to do improv. I always thought. You just get to play, you get to be yourself. And so I I did, I started doing improv, but to be completely honest, the way I presented it to everyone out around me wasn't that this is like something I've always dreamt of doing because I thought it would be fun and playful. It was, this will help my career in the following ways. I'll be a better public speaker. I'll learn active listening skills. Like I'm very much... Uh, I have a guard up in terms of like why I'm doing the things that I'm doing 
just because I'm afraid of the judgment that will come with it. Um, and so when I started doing improv, I, I went into it scared shitless. I was shaking, literally physically shaking going in and you know, you just get up, everybody gets up, you do an exercise, here's a word, go, you do these games, and it's... That's terrifying. It's, <laughs> and it, it's, you're in a classroom, but like, those that aren't up are watching you, and you have a teacher there who is literally critiquing you to help you get better, but the, the idea that you go into it with no judgment, that doesn't exist, because you are being judged, so you can improve and hone in on your skill sets. And so I went into this three-day intensive improv workshop um, at Second City, and my teacher, amazing, he's, Kevin is the best, um, so funny, so energetic, so positive, so uplifting, um, amazing guy, and everyone in the class were all actors, except for me. So I loved going into it because I felt like, okay, I, I don't, they're not going to judge me because they do this. This is their life. So they're not going to be like, why are you, you know, you work in marketing. Why the heck are you here? You know, it's no, like they're here to improve their skill sets just as much as I want to improve on my, you know, interpersonal skill sets, whatever. So I do the workshop. There are moments where I get, I'm shaking and I, I have to step in the bathroom and I like have these emotions that I, that are bubbling up, right? These emotions of like, oh my gosh. I, I fucked up that scene. That was terrible. I just need to get over it. And it was really challenging for me. It was really fun and really challenging and exhausting all at the same time. And everyone was so supportive, though, of everyone that I, I felt comfortable doing it. And then I will say the hardest part of this intro class I did was monologue scene. Because I'm like, well, shit, now I'm all, literally by myself in front of a group of people having to do a monologue. And I have stage fright and I have public speaking fright. So I did this monologue and I said, I just, in my head, I'm like, just focus. You can do it. You can do it. And I got laughs. And I thought, well, shit, if I can do this and get laughs and I'm by myself and this is my first thing ever. ever. And they don't, people don't fake laugh in class you're either funny or you're not that's amazing I feel like that's what we should be doing <laughs> everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah because it's like it's no bullshit yeah. right because this is you know they know what you know what's funny and you know what's not mm -hmm. and they're not just gonna pity laugh you so so I did this intro and as I was driving home and I called my husband Ryan and I was bawling I was just crying and he's like was it that bad? Like, are you okay? And I was like, no, no, I, I don't know what's happening. I don't want to leave. Aww. Like, I didn't want to leave. I was like, I, this was such a, I've never experienced whatever the heck this was. This was so crazy. It was so intense, so exhausting, so moving. I've never, it, it was, it was just so surreal to me how much I felt, like I had all the feelings. Yeah. <laughs> All the feelings that I just had to cry them out because I didn't know what else to do. And so he was like, yeah, like, you should keep going. Keep doing it. If you like it, just do it. And so I kept doing it. Are you still doing it? I'm still doing it, yeah. I yeah. had a dream recently that I need to go to improv. So maybe oh, I'll join you for a yeah. class. That would be so fun. Yeah, you should. I love it. I, I really love it. I love yeah. the, the point you made of, like, 
I'm going to do this thing that my heart and soul wants and I'm going to put this like practical reason <laughs> on top of it. I can so relate to that. I'm like, I'll yeah. do all this therapy and personal training because it's going to help me with my clients. And blah, blah. Yeah. And you're like, no, I need that for me. Yeah. And it does have the spillover effect. So yeah. if you're listening to this and you have just that thing you just want to do, yeah, just do just it. Just do it. Just go. Just yeah. go. Permission slip. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Don't worry if you're shaking because you get do over it. Do it shaking. <laughs> do it shaking. Well, I think that's a yeah. core part of vulnerability. I mean, I realized in looking at my own professional journey and working with clients and career and leadership work that we actually, if we're, if we're overly concerned about showing up in vulnerability, we don't stretch ourselves to our capacity. We're mm-hmm. kind of operating in our comfort zone. Yeah. You know, we have these conversations in the workplace of like, we need women need to be confident and so we have this like mm-hmm. I'm gonna wait until I'm confident to do the thing yeah, yeah. which ties back to the worthiness piece yeah um but we don't we need to be courageous yes. and courageous means fear gets to be an incredibly mm-hmm. massive potentially part of all of the emotions that yeah. are happening to go do the thing yeah um and improv is such a great way to expose you mm-hmm. right I think that would be feel stretchy for almost anyone yeah and I yeah. loved that you were, you know, you do things in community and you warm up, but that moment of me on a stage, yeah. kind of, you feel naked, right? You're just like, this is it. This is yeah. who I am. And I don't have a label. I'm not this marketer or this yes. whatever. You're like, I'm Aaron. That's it. And yeah. we're just going to be here and there's nothing to distract. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we should be doing that more in our professional lives mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember working for a big company and I... I just didn't have a sense of self because there were so many people involved in everything. And I was like, who am I and where am I in this equation? And Mm -hmm. when I left and started my own business, it was, it felt like that. It was just Mm -hmm. me on a stage. Mm -hmm. What do you, I mean, I think we both think that there's a lot of value in having that type of an experience. Um, For someone who is reluctant to put themselves out there Mm -hmm. in that, maybe they don't want to be on stage all by themselves or start mm-hmm. their own business. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, like, what are some small things you can do to just step into or play with mm-hmm. vulnerable moments, even if that's a place you don't normally go? Yeah, I, yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say therapy is yeah. number one. Uh, honestly, I would say because when you go to therapy, you don't go for a good time. You go. <laughs> and then to therapy. Nope. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. You you go in because you know that there's something, there's some blocker or there's yeah. something, there's just something that's not 100% and you want it to be 100%, whatever, whatever that is, right? And so by seeing a therapist and mind you, it might not be the first person you see, they might, you might not click with them, see another yeah. one or see a, like, a find one that you like, right? Because not all therapists are going to be the perfect therapist for you. So that's my first recommendation is to get a therapist and that way you can have that dialogue and to even know what it is you're going through because sometimes you don't know. It just it's like a swirl it's, of emotions yeah, and thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like I I can't get up on stage. I'm I'm anxious at work. I don't get it. What do I do? And that's that's your step one. Just yeah. the acknowledgement of what it is you're going through. And I always say therapists because they're trained professionals to help you. Um, and sometimes it's even better because if, you know, you want to always go to your girlfriends, it's like, well, 
they're they're not necessarily <laughs> therapists that can give you the best advice, right? And also that's a lot of weight to put on your girlfriends to like figure out yes. what's going on. So I would say honestly that's the first step and that I I feel I strongly feel that if you do that step that will open the doors to everything else. Because to even acknowledge that there's something you want to work on is a huge step in and of itself. And then to do the research and find someone to talk to about it is another huge monumental step. And then the biggest one is to show up and just to be there and to actually have that conversation and get real and know you're not going to be comfortable. You're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And from there you will you will gain the tools to do whatever's next that's that's, that's great advice yeah oh i love that you took it all the way there because even giving ourselves permission to have a resource just for us mm-hmm. and to do it in private and in a mm-hmm. safe space first mm-hmm. i think most of us many of us i know my tendency is like okay i'm just going to throw myself into the fire i'm not going to slow any of this down mm-hmm. i think it's a really great recommendation and it's having that unbiased party who is just there to listen mm-hmm. and not judge and help you see things yeah, absolutely. is really important because a lot of the people around us who love us yes they're not trained but also they have a stake yeah. in our health yeah. our safety our happiness mm-hmm. and a lot of us are just wanting naturally out of love to kind of help and fix mm-hmm. and I think that all of this stuff is a natural part of the human experience. We're not actually broken. No, yeah. And when we go into the parts of ourselves that might feel that way to us, there's this like tremendous self-connection, I think, Mm -hmm. that happens first. And then you want to tell everyone about it. Yeah. Yeah. And people notice it. They're like, did you change your hair? Like, what happened? (laughs) It's true. like, therapy. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally true. Amazing. So I'm guessing that creating your own podcast was a vulnerable act yeah. in and of itself. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us a little bit about like where did the idea originate and what did that journey look like to actually being here recording and putting stuff out into the world? Yeah, yeah. So I, this was, I feel like this was the end, not the end, but this was during my vulnerability journey towards the end. So mm-hmm. I saw my therapist, started listening to Brene Brown, signed up in improv, got comfortable doing that, and I'm still in it. So I've been in it for a while now, right? And so I kept having these conversations with my therapist because, again, what she said to me about advocating for others when I need to advocate for myself really resonated with me and stuck with me. I don't even know if she realizes how much that impacted me. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I had this thought that I, I felt a shift in me so much that I wanted to, I wanted to talk to other people about it, but I didn't want it to just be about me. I wanted to highlight other women around me, and I've always had this idea that I think, you know, women, it's. It's typically like, oh, how to, I feel like most things geared towards women is how to improve their looks or how to improve, you know, their physique and what, like beauty products, etc. which is all great. But I wanted to highlight them as they are now and the perfection that they are in now for their attributes of what they're doing and, and kind of strip away any physicality to that, right? 
Um, having said that, of course, sometimes it's intertwined. So for instance, my girlfriend, Christine, she's a bodybuilder. So it was intertwined with like physique, but it was also very much, you know, the dedication, the mindset of it, the, the drive for it, um, and just the vulnerability and doing something like that. So anyways, but I had this idea and a girlfriend of mine, um, who I also interviewed on this podcast, I don't remember which episode it was, probably four or five, Melody Bowman, she is getting her PhD. Um, she started a, and this, this conversation originated with a phone call, a super casual phone call I had with her, where I was just like, yeah, what's new? Cause you know, she's getting her PhD, she's a scientist, she's working full time. Um, she's like, oh yeah, so I just started this like women's mentorship at my university. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, I started, I noticed that there's a lack of female mentors in the science department. It's majority is male, but in my schooling, in my classrooms, it's, there's a lot of females and there's no one for us to go to for mentorship to, and like confide in and talk to for the things yeah. we're going through in this male dominated industry. And so um, it's called Wisdom, Women in Science Development something mentorship. That's terrible. But it's it's wisdom. Sounds I know that. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and basically, it was this grassroots program where she started with a f um, some fellow colleagues of hers. They got grants from the dean's list, um, and it's organized through this university she's at. But they put on brunches for women to get together and network. They put on events for children to learn what science is so like little girls can learn what a scientist does and like what avenues they can go into and she's doing all of this in her free time and she literally started this whole movement of empowering women scientists and having lead speakers come from all over the country to give talks to encourage other women to continue getting their science degree who are literally changing the world and she was so casual about it like it wasn't a big deal and I just remember I I didn't yell, but when I get really excited, I raise my voice. So I was like, Melody, <laughs> this is a really big fucking deal. Are you kidding me? How did I not know this? How long have you been doing this? Like, where the fuck did you get the time to do this? Right. You are literally getting your PhD and working, like nonstop. You are crazy busy. And you started this whole mentorship thing. And she was just like, yeah, like I just saw a little thing. Mean, like whatever fix it. Yeah. yeah and so she after that conversation I thought okay there clearly women like her need to be highlighted and need to know what she's doing because this is amazing and if Melody can do it who is accomplished and amazing I know there are other women out there who have this fire inside of them to do something and they might think they're too busy but if this woman who's super busy can do it they can do it um so yeah, so I just started brainstorming ideas, like how do I get this message out? What can I do? And I listened to a lot of podcasts and I thought that's a medium where I can have a real honest dialogue without interruption and whomever is interested in this sort of thing will tap in and listen and hopefully it will organically grow into something bigger. And so I can reach more people that way too, in terms of having conversations that are meaningful and uplifting and positive. And I don't have to just stay within, you know, the square footage of the town I live in. I can reach people further out. So 
yeah, I had the idea of a podcast. I told my husband. He said, that's amazing. Let's do it. He's so supportive. It's so (laughs) nice. Um, And then, you know, I told my therapist and she was freaking out because she was so excited and proud of me. And she's like, you got to do it. Um, And so, yeah, so I just started looking into it. I have friends, um, my friend Julie Brett, who is I interviewed on episode two. She's an actor and producer. She told me about the sound equipment I should do. Um, I did practice interviews too with friends of mine. So (laughs) yeah, so I just, I, I started it, but I'm going to be totally honest with you. I was scared shitless. I, I really had the mindset that I'm going to start this podcast. No one's going to watch except for me and my mom. (laughs) That's really what I thought. I'm like me and my mom will watch it. And then my mom's so funny. I started the podcast and I released it. And like a few weeks later, I'm like, mom, did you, did you listen to my podcast? And she's like, oh, I don't know how to get it. And I was like, mom. <laughs> You're like my one guaranteed fan. Yeah. I was like, mom, you're literally the only person I think will listen to my podcast. So I got her phone and I, I oh, downloaded God. everything. Yeah. And I've stolen her phone a few times and I've like written on her Facebook post, like my daughter's amazing. Listen Good. to her podcast. Yeah. She's so funny. Now she tells me every time. She's like, I listened to your podcast. I, I heard a new one. Yeah, she's Hi, super Mom. sweet. Hope you're yeah. Listening and watching. <laughs> she's so funny. But yeah, but so that's, um, and I still, you know, I still kind of struggle with that because I do look at the numbers of subscribers, especially YouTube. I would love to have more. Um, I would love to have at least 100. That's when you can really get started and really get um, more people looking because most people I found it's all about the numbers for them to even bother to listen to you Hmm. unless it's like a personal recommendation right right? so so yeah so I'm I'm just gonna keep going along assuming myself and my mom will (laughs) listen and hopefully anyone else that likes you know the work that I'm doing because I I get a lot out of it so I'm hoping other people do too Well, thank you for having the courage to listen to the call. You know, I think so many of us, we do. We have those impulses of like, this would be fun. I would enjoy this. And then we, and there's science behind this. And then within 10 seconds, I think your brain's going to shut it down because your Mm -hmm. fear centers get activated. So you have to really move. Mel Robbins is a coach and she has a book called The Five Second Rule. But she's like, when the impulse to do something that you know is going to move you towards a goal or the version of you you want to become you have five seconds to act or your brain will kill it and so mm-hmm. you like she literally is like count down five four three two one and move with yeah. whether that means I'm going to tell my husband about the idea yeah. I'm going to walk towards the person in the networking event I'm going to block time on my calendar to do research on how to create interview questions like yeah. you've got to move quickly yeah was there a moment where you were like and never mind like did you have one of those I call them u-turn moments where the the vulnerability hangover came in or the fears got super activated or were you really able to just move it forward easily with small steps yeah I I did actually have a moment um I I started this podcast and I started releasing videos and I wasn't getting the traction that I was hoping um it was very slow coming and I realized I have to tell people what I'm doing. Yes. And that, which is very obvious. (laughs) Yeah, nobody does it. Yeah, Yeah, very obvious. I need to Mm self-promote. And for me, that was hard because, again, I I assumed, I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to tell people, oh, I started a podcast. It's called Strength and Vulnerability. 
it's, you know, talking, sharing stories with women who are doing powerful, impactful things through the lens of vulnerability and for them to look at me and just kind of go, ah, okay, why? Are you making any money? What do you, you know? So, which those questions did come up actually. Um, (laughs) Which the one and up. That's fair. Um, (laughs) Totally fair. No, I don't make any money at all. This is all people who are gracious enough to volunteer to be on. I don't pay anybody. This is really just to get positive, uplifting stories out. Um, and so I, I did email blasts to friends of mine, to family members of mine, um, and I did see some traction grow, but that was really hard for me um, still, even after I did it, because I just didn't know. I didn't know, even though I sent it to everybody, are they actually listening? What are they thinking? Do they listen and think this is stupid? I'm over it. Or are they judging me based on how I'm speaking, how I'm being, basically? It's a lot. It's a lot to put yourself out there. Um, But it also comes with it. If you want to do anything impactful, you have to make a stand and know that some people will gravitate towards it and some people won't. Mm -hmm. But that's how change happens, right? If you just sit and do absolutely nothing, nothing's going to happen. So you got to get your butt into gear and do something, right? So I did a few podcasts and then I got this job opportunity that I had to move for three months. It was a three month contract job where I moved from where I was living to Northern California. And during that time, I this new job took a lot of energy um, just to get really acclimated to it. So I, I stopped, I stopped the podcast completely. And during that time, I, I noticed that I kept in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, man, I wish I was doing the podcast. I wish I continued doing this. Why did I stop? This was something like I did really enjoy doing it. I just don't think I was doing it in the way to get more viewers, to get it more out there. I need to, it can't just be, I need to put more energy into what I'm doing because I didn't, I was scared to put all my energy into it because of the lack of recognition and potential failure of it. And so when I started the podcast, it was like one foot in, right? And then I left for three months and I came back and a really good um, friend of mine, Dustin Lean, he is amazing. Um, He introduced me to someone who was um, promoting uh, podcasters and different influencers and it was like the seminar, right? Mm -hmm. To like get involved and learn different tricks to like not tricks, but steps in which to get more viewers to come. Um, And so I went and I learned so much and was so inspired by these stories of people who were like me, started with just an idea and then it blew up and now they have a million subscribers and this is their life now and they love what they do. And I was so pumped and energetic about it that I was like, I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to do it right. So, um, yeah, so the three-month hiatus is behind me. I'm now 100% involved. I'm doing way more podcasts, way more often. I'm trying to do different formats of doing it. I am 100% behind it. I am very clear on my mission and what I want to do. So, yeah, I think I needed that break, though. I needed that break to do more self-reflection, to really hone in on why wasn't I putting two feet forward, what was holding me back. Oh, it was the judgment, that's yeah. what it was. It was the judgment. I just didn't want people to see me. I've always been seen as this accomplished person based on my work, right? And that's great. 
but this is the work I want to do. So I need to just put all that energy into what I want to do. So Amazing. There's a, I don't remember which Brene book it was, but it was after the Power of Vulnerability um, where she talks about like if you're not in the ring, mm -hmm. then I don't really give a hoot about your feedback. You know, she's like, yeah. if you are someone who is showing up, who mm -hmm. is like putting themselves out there, blood, sweat, and tears, mm -hmm. then if you're my my peer in that, like I welcome your input. But yeah. if you're just watching from the stands, yes. like yeah. you ain't in here. So you don't yeah. really have, yeah. you know, you don't <laughs> have my permission to judge. And I think that's yeah. such good advice because they're it and in the beginning with anything new you are incredibly vulnerable and you are going to have a lot of different reactions mm -hmm. but just having that mm -hmm. mindset of like and I heard it in your storytelling of like I'm I'm in this and I'm going to let the things that aren't supporting mm -hmm. fall away yeah um, I think the other thing just for listeners is if you do have someone in your life who is putting themselves out there who is doing something new like be a cheerleader. Like, even yeah. if you don't totally understand it yeah. or they might fail and you're worried about how that will have an impact on them. Like, mm -hmm. we, I think sometimes we use um, being a devil's advocate and mm -hmm. things like that to support people. But if mm -hmm. it's new mm -hmm. and if it's a soul project, mm -hmm. like, have a little empathy and respect and mm -hmm. just fall into your cheerleading, you know, yeah. fall into supporting them. Because I know how much energy it takes to do yeah. something new and put yourself out there. Yeah. Um, and the more that we can all say, hey, I'm, I'm here while you're a beginner and I'm going to share and I'm going to yeah. listen and I'm going to give you yeah. constructive feedback, the better. Because I feel like as adults, sometimes when you're in a stage of like, I'm supposed to have achieved X by a certain age, we mm -hmm. have this, I call it like beginner's aversion to doing a new thing. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. so much of maybe what we're meant to be creating mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. will require you to be a beginner at an inconvenient time yeah. and in an inconvenient way. Yeah. And, um, okay, off my soapbox. But I think that there's just, like, I really commend you because I've been there, too, and I know how yeah. scary it can be. And when when you're concerned about people having a judgment of you who you love and you respect, mm -hmm. you know, it just it adds to the pressure. But um, yeah, I love that you, you re-entered and recommitted. I think also, you know, and I've experienced that, too, of, like, this one foot in, one foot out mm -hmm. energetic mm -hmm. can happen. And, and it usually happens sort of in the middle of a project. There's like beginner and all the excitement is there. Mm -hmm. And then you do it and then you have a vulnerability hangover. Yes, yeah. Which is like, yeah. oh, I, did, I just yeah. did that. Yeah. And then there's a contraction. Yeah. Which is like, okay, I was in this expanded state of openness and vulnerability and mm -hmm. creation. And then mm -hmm. I gave it to the world. Yeah. And the world had whatever reaction it did. Yeah. And then you yeah. kind of shrink. And so I, I honor that moment. Uh, but I think it's so exciting that you reconnected to the desire and are showing up to it in a recommitted new way. And I think that's just a good note for everyone, too, of like, yeah. it's not going to be like this, you know, no. in terms of numbers. <laughs> sorry, this is a podcast. It's not going to be a like straight line upward. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you're going to have variability in terms of like this quote unquote traditional success of viewers and feedback and all of that, but yeah. also emotionally, mm -hmm. you're going to have different seasons to it. Mm -hmm. um, what does it feel like now being in this project? <laughs> what, what is your current emotional relationship with it? Um, I, I find that it gives me energy. Yeah. It gives me, um, I mean, every time... Every interview I go into, I don't 
they're not arbitrarily selected. I, there's always an intention and a rationale behind interviewing the people I interview because they have a story that I am genuinely curious about and I think is important and impactful. And I, I think that if I'm that curious and interested in it, I think others will be too. And I just really love the idea of highlighting women that normally wouldn't be highlighted in this way. And every time I step away from an interview, I always have this moment of, wow, I never thought about that this, that way. Whatever it is, it's, I mean, my interviews vary, but there's always a moment where I'm like, yeah, I never thought of it that way. And then it makes me start thinking in a diff, through a different lens, through their lens, through their experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that per, selfishly makes me a more understanding and compassionate person. And also selfishly, it makes me more educated in other ways of living and other ways of being so I can better relate to people. But I also think, again, selfishly, I'm always really excited because that's what Oprah Winfrey would always say, like with her interviews, like, wow, I never thought of it that way. And that was always a highlight moment for her. And it really is a highlight moment for me because I'm always learning. I love learning. And I mean, I've spoken to best friends of mine about stories that I knew all about, and then we're sitting and we're talking in this really safe, open environment about the topic of, of vulnerability, and I'm learning more even then, mm -hmm. and I didn't know that was possible, but it is. There's always room for growth, so I, I love that I'm there's all these things like I'm, I'm continuously learning and one that sticks out is, and this can be applied to everything in all aspects of life is, um, you know, assumptions in my opinion are kind of the root of ignorance. We always put assumptions onto people or onto situations or onto ways of living or thinking or believing. And those assumptions are based on through our lens of our perception but that doesn't mean your assumptions correct or accurate because you don't know what their story, how they got to their way of being through their story. And so there's always, there, people aren't just black and white. Like there's so many layers for them to get to a conclusion of anything. And I, I say this meaning, you know, in the way that they present themselves and their spiritual practices and their political beliefs and their, um, ways in which they travel or they don't travel. I mean, there's so many aspects to a person and their um and who they are and rooted in who they are and it's it's fascinating to understand how they got to where they are and it's also important because you also have to look at the historical factors. What type of environment did they grow up in? What were they handed as opposed to someone in this other environment? What level of the socioeconomic climate where they brought in in because that has a huge impact on who you're going to grow to be and some people were given more opportunities than other people and it's important to understand that and to understand all these layers factor into who they are and where they are now so I it makes me think I already am a deep thinker but no <laughs> couldn't tell <laughs> But it, it challenges me to think even more so because I love the idea of dialogue between different ways of being and thinking because I think right now we're in a climate of such polarization and such you're either this way or you're that way 
when in reality there's so many commonalities between the two that we're not even acknowledging and we're also not acknowledging how you got to be this way or that way right so and i think communication really will lead to a better existence in general i mean who wants to be full of hatred and anger and frustration why not talk to the for instance you know i at work situations i have people who will cut me off or yell at me and i reach out to them and instead of me being like gosh that person's such a dick i'm over it i will reach out to them and say i don't think it's your intention but i don't i don't accept this do not talk back to me in this way do not interrupt me do not raise your voice to me i don't even think you're aware you're doing it but i'm letting you know you are and i I, I need you to know that I'm not accepting it. And nine times out of 10, it's, oh my God, I had no idea. I really had no idea I was doing that. I was just really frustrated. I was in, a, in an anxious moment. The deadline's tomorrow. I will, I will consciously actually look out for this. And it changes their behavior. So instead of me just pushing my assumption that this person's just a dick, I am, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they are dealing with other things and they just need to recognize where I'm coming from in my space so that we can get along better and work together better. So that was a really huge tangent. <laughs> so many golden nuggets of wisdom in there though. <laughs> to get back to my, the original question, which is how is your podcast now? Um, the podcast, I think it's great. I love what I'm doing and I, I'm happy when I'm doing it and I'm doing all my video editing now. Um, yeah, my husband did it um, at the start. And then I had a whole backlog of interviews where I'm like, Ryan, come on, you got to edit them. Ryan, come on, you have to edit them. And he's busy. He has a full-time job too. <laughs> I mean, I have a full-time job, but I, you know, I'm it's really, your project. it's my project. <laughs> yeah. So I learned it myself and I've just been doing all the editing and all the posting. I do literally everything myself, except Ryan behind the scenes is, does the lights and the filming and all of that. Beautiful because of you. <laughs> yes, he helps, he helps us get here. Um, and the sound too, he's very good with that. But yeah, I love it. And my hope is that through this podcast, I'll have people reach out to me and say, hey, I know somebody who has a story to tell and I think they should be highlighted. I think you should interview them. Yeah. That's my dream. Like I just want, I want to, inter- I want to interview women all over the country. That's my dream. I want to just hear stories. I want to go places I've never been and tap into lives that I don't have any visibility to right now. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, in my small Los Angeles niche, but I want to go, I want to see it all. I want to hear all the stories. I think the more stories, that are out there of experiences through the lens of vulnerability and the impact and the change that they've made in a positive, proactive way, the more it'll spread, right? That's that yeah. ripple effect of, I heard this podcast and it inspired me to do this. I heard this and it inspired me to go out and do this. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I, I've referenced Oprah like a hundred times already, but even with all the work that she does, I still find inspiration in her interviews and the people who share their stories. And it makes you feel that connection of not feeling alone in a situation. So you might find the strength to take that first step, right? Yeah. Even if it's to see a therapist, that's a huge step. Huge. Yeah. yeah. That's no small feat. A lot yeah. of people put shame on 
mental health. Right. And I want to remove that shame because there's nothing shameful about it. If you broke your arm, you go and get your arm fixed. If you have a chemical imbalance in your brain that's making you sad all the time, you should get that treated. If you're dealing with anxiety and it's keeping you from fulfilling the things you want to do with your life, you have support to do that. It, there's nothing shameful about living your best healthy life. So anyway. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I think this is such a great platform. I remember when you interviewed me, I don't know how long we spoke, but it just felt like such a relief to mm -hmm. just be in a real conversation. And I think yeah. you've done a beautiful job with all of your interviews so far of it being about that. It's not Thank about you. trying to sell something or show a particular version of yourself. I felt very much just by your energetic and your intention for this podcast invited in to just be Sarah. And as someone who also feels very connected to my professional identity, there's just this like sigh of relief I think that happens for people when they just get to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think those stories are powerful. You know, I think many times we share formulas and theories and all of that, yeah. but what sticks with us is stories and seeing yeah. ourselves in them. So thank you for sharing your yeah. story with all of us, <laughs> truly, of and being so open and vulnerable. I felt the strength in you oh. and in it. So, <laughs> thank you. you know, this is the strength Thanks. and vulnerability podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have two closing questions for you. Yeah, yeah. The first is, if you could interview anyone in the entire world on this podcast, yeah. who would you most love to have a conversation with? Oh my gosh. It's, it's a, it's, it's between two very strong, impactful women, um, Oprah Winfrey and Brene Brown. Yeah. And which one? Top? Tough. That's a tough one. Um, okay, fine. You can have two. Okay. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> I'm oh, I'm like gosh. envisioning you in the Super Soul Sunday <laughs> setting outside yes. with both of them. Oh, my God. In Maui, I would die. I would just cry. I would just cry the whole time I was with her. I would. Oh, my God. That's such a dream. Okay. Dream. We're going to just yeah. manifest that. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'd all love to hear that conversation. I would too. <laughs> we'll just make sure there's tissues present. Yeah. Oh my God. Give me the box of tissues. I'd melt just seeing her, pre being in her presence. I would just melt. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I have a new question. I have three, I guess. So next question because of that is, is there, what would you most love to ask one or both of those women? Oh, that is a great, oh my gosh, that's a great one. Um, what would I want to ask both of them? I, I would, one thing I'd want to ask Oprah Winfrey is, is there anything you feel like you haven't tapped into yet that you want to explore more? Mm -hmm. Because she's so, she's so insightful and she's explored so many areas but I wonder if there's still something, and it might be based on her super soul conversations. I know that's a passion point for her, and um, but potentially there's something even within there very specifically that she wants to really hone in on. So I'd be interested to know what that is. That's such a good question. Um, and then for Brene Brown, I, because she talks about vulnerability, I would love, and she's very open about it. I would love to talk to her about, and this is um, this is a selfish question because eventually I want children and I want to 
really have an honest conversation with her about vulnerability and raising children mm. and how she does she does talk to it um, some honest conversations about how to talk to your kids about certain situations and how if you have your personal shame and they're going through a shameful moment you might lash out on them based on your own shameful prior experiences but um, I wonder how how does she like in terms of raising them like what all the things what do you what do you tell your child do you have mantras in the morning when you mm. wake up do you wake up with an intention what are what is your daily routine and what do you do in easy situations and hard situations I feel like she's got it all nailed down so I want to know <laughs> all of her tricks of the trade right because yes. she does she she does all these really positive proactive things and I'm sure she's mentioned them in all her books but I want to just sit with her and focus in on that so that I can use that in my life too amazing well that might be her next book yeah <laughs> So I'm a coach, so I'm going to push you because I really believe we can start to make our dreams become possible in small ways now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I dare you oh, gosh. <laughs> to oh, actually gosh. in some way like email or call their teams with those questions and see if there's a way that you can get an answer to them, even informally. Um, okay, I will do that. You can decide that. if you want to do that, but no. that just came to me because I bet – I don't know if Oprah, when was the last time Oprah has been interviewed, similar to you, right, where you're yeah. typically on the other side. Yeah. And I just think they're really beautiful questions that so many people would like to hear the answer to. So, yeah. anyways, I, hold that. But. I love that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm digesting it and I'm thinking about the reality of it and I really love it. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do yeah. it. And let us know. I will. <laughs> I think it's coming to you. Um, my last question for you for today is I have a beautiful friend named Morgan and she is creating an art project called Prayers for Humanity. Oh. Uh, and I need to check and make sure she's cool with me sharing that. I'm sure we can edit it out if not. And I just, one, it's a beautiful name, but as I thought about what, what I really want to hear from you in closing is what, what is your prayer for humanity? Oh, my, that's a really deep, good question. Um, my prayer for humanity is that all of us, um, all humans on this earth can approach each other with genuine curiosity, with a longing to have a better understanding of each other um, and walk into it also with openness that potentially whatever your thinking pattern is might shift and might be altered based on on the conversation you have so hopefully that will open up to more real dialogue and create more understanding as opposed to this is how I think this is how I think and now we're going our separate ways beautiful yeah <laughs> I'm with you. I second that prayer. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you for being willing to have this conversation. Yeah. Thank you for creating this amazing platform. Thank you. And uh, I hope that we'll do this again soon. Yeah, this was great. I I feel inspired and exhausted from <laughs> going through all of this. This vulnerability is not easy for me. Oh my gosh, it takes a lot out. Um, but I really appreciate you doing this with me. Thank you. And you're the perfect person to do it, too, because I feel safe and that I can be so open with you. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. And hopefully, 
Hopefully you liked it. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. I'm on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify Podcasts. And I also have an Instagram account. Um, Strength and Vulnerability Podcast is my Insta. So follow me on all the social channels. And yeah, hopefully I see you again soon. Bye.